You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, Hannies. It's Amiria Sai, and you're back for season two of The Take On. Hi, my little lovelies. It's Amir Yas back with the take on. I'm so happy. I'm in LA. I just had sugarfish. I'm just like living, you know, it just, I'm so happy. Um, so I just needed to say that. And what even makes me happier is uh, being here with Amanda Scott from Sweet Life. Issa Rae produced. I mean, the music on this show is fabulous. It's on HBO Max. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. It's just black excellence, black girl magic to the max. So I'm just so happy um, to have Amanda here. Um, Amanda, how are you? Hi, good morning, Amir. How are you? I'm good. I am good too. I'm just, you know, like I've just, I've binged all of it. I'm just very happy to, again, like for me, just seeing young black, you know, excellence is just so like refreshing. And it's like, I was, you know, I was talking to someone about it today. It's like, it's so aspirational, but also in some ways attainable because you guys demystify how you got the wealth and how you got, you know, your influence. So I think that that's the best part of the show. Yeah. Honestly, like when I hear people say it's an aspirational show, I'm like, Chow, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, yes, like we do go on like, you know, an extravagant vacation and like, right. you know, like amazing parties. Um, but a lot of those things, like those are things we were doing just on a day to day before even getting on the show. So, I mean, it's aspirational and like, I hope that people are inspired, but very much so feasible for, you know, someone just like us. I love that. I, I, we love feasible, you know, like when I worked as, you know, a publicist and you work in Hollywood for, I've worked now 15 years, I've met everybody and you see how like, even people that are A-list, A-list, it's like, there was a route to that, right? We all started zero followers. We all started zero. And I think that you guys did a really good job of showing that like you know like even like for example like Bree's story right like the way that yeah, that you show okay right she's like on a growth level she's not like hey i'm perfect you know right off the bat which i i chose is very you know showing that vulnerability on tv is not very easy like people make it seem like it's easy but it's not to be vulnerable like that so no um, it's not and she's really just isn't. so transparent and mm -hmm her position, her like current position and where she wants to go, where she came from. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like of all of our castmates, she really shared like her full story um, or at least, you know, and what you could get in a season of a show. Um, and that's why she's one of my favorite characters. Cause you can literally see the growth from episode to episode. Totally. And I, I so echo that. You're absolutely right. Now let's rewind a little bit before we jump right into like the show and stuff. I want to hear about the process. Like you said, obviously you guys were partying like this. You were kind of networking, you know, doing those dinners, you know, like you guys were all doing that stuff. Where did Issa Rae, did she find one of y'all? Like how, what was the process of like Issa Rae's involvement and, in, you know, getting on HBO Max? Because that's not, you know, she's one of the busiest girls in Hollywood. So for her to reach out, it's a huge you know, it's a huge deal. So talk to me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm still in awe, honestly, <laughs> honestly, that I am like on the show and connected to her in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, so I think that she had reached out to some folks just like trying to find, you know, a group of friends, young black professionals that kind of are like-minded in the people on the cast. And so I think Jordan was approached first Okay. And he kind of conjured the the guys. I think he went to Gerald and Gerald had some friends. So they kind of 
all um, made up the group of guys. And then okay. it was like, okay, cool. We have a solid, and this is me talking, girl. I could be wrong. But it was like, okay, <laughs> we have a solid group of guys. And then Gerald reached out to Ty Lynn on the show. Okay. And was like, hey, um, you know, who do you, who do you know, basically? And so they loved her and they're like, well, do you have any other girlfriends that might be interested? And so Ty Lynn extended um, the invitation invitation to both me, Brianna and Becky. And I did my casting tape and then it just kind of went from there. I honestly never thought it was real until it was like day one of filming. Like something in my mind was telling me like, this is not going to happen. Like this, no way I'm going to be on reality TV. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, like it, I love that it's happened so organically because that doesn't really happen anymore, especially with like me doing a lot of, I know a lot of Bravo people and it's very like, a friend of, but they're not really friends. It's like, but you guys are genuinely friends. And even the way that Tylen cries, like the things you guys do for her, it seems so genuine. Like it would seem like someone like at her level or like at the level that you guys are at wouldn't care about like a bag or what, but it's like, you guys are so genuinely touched when you're doing stuff for each other. And I think that that's part of where a lot of people relate to the show. Cause I saw on Twitter, a lot of people were like, I would be friends with these people. And I think nowadays with reality TV, it's like we kind of like love to hate them. But I, I feel like this show, we're loving to love you guys. It's a little different. Yeah. Okay. So when I was watching it, I, I kind of got that feeling too. Like mm -hmm. if I wasn't on the show, I would love these people. Like yeah. Brianna, I would totally love her. Ty Lynn and these like amazing event experiences. It's like, I mm -hmm. actually want to be friends with these folks. Whereas like, you know, some of the older like franchise reality shows, it's like, you know, who's going to be the villain this? season you know mm -hmm. or like who who's gonna be the newbie that we're gonna like antagonize a bit but with watching our show i feel like people see a, one see a slice of themselves yes. and then if they're not from la they see like a true essence of la and south la which really grounds us and i think a big differentiator for us was like having all of our parents on there i love your parents really, really oh. like grounded <laughs> all of us like yes we're black excellence per se, or, you know, we have all these things going, but we're still someone's children. <laughs> exactly. The the and they made that very clear. You know, the parents were like, you are mine <laughs> before you are HBO's. Oh, I love that. That that was like one of my favorite things. Cause I, a lot of times when like parents are on a show, they tend to be like kind of disapproving or they're kind of like creating issues. And I felt like the parents were just kind of additive, which I think is really refreshing. And like, what that's what I really enjoyed about it was I felt like, okay, the parents are adding something to the story. And I thought that was really, really lovely, especially, I can't remember which character it was, but the dad like really broke down and started crying. And, and just to yeah. see like, a straight black man cry on TV. Like, I don't think people understand for anyone who doesn't get it. Like, that's a big deal. Like even me being Persian, seeing a Persian man cry on TV or, or seeing like a gay Persian man, like Reza on Shaws of Sunset, like for someone like me, that's really important. I think for like black straight men to see their dad cry. I think that's a really, really, really powerful thing. So I, that, I think that is so epic to me, honestly, mm -hmm. like there's a few just like of my favorites. We could talk all day, but that specifically, that highlight, just black men expressing emotion yes. outside of like, you know, messing with girls or, you mm -hmm. know, sports, like the things that they're stereotypically passionate about. Right. Seeing them express emotion. I think Jordan kind of cried in a scene with, with his best friend, Gerald, and his mm -hmm. dad shared a really true moment. 
that's not something that I don't think I've ever really seen on TV <laughs> unless Me it neither. has something to do with like black trauma, you know, like someone passing away or mm-hmm. some type of brutality. And so watching that on TV and encouraging like my younger cousins who are black males to watch that has been probably one of the highlights for me. Like, I can't believe that, you know, my friends are on TV really being themselves and being true to themselves and opening up for the world to see. That's like so amazing to me. Absolutely. And I also think like what you said is really important to like that trauma porn and me being queer and Muslim. Like you better believe when I'm in these rooms with these white executives, they like foam at the mouth of the trauma, right? The bullying, like yeah. tell us more about how much people no, hate tell you. Tell us more. Tell us yeah. more about the They show. love that shit. So for me to see you guys not doing that, like, and obviously like, of course, with 2020, what happened with George Floyd, of course, we want to talk about it. And a lot of shows covered it. But I love that, like for a second, we could see you guys just being black, excellent and just being black, beautiful men. And not having to focus on like that trauma side of it, you know, like, and to be like in Inglewood and at a coffee shop, like, I'm sure a lot of people that watched are like, oh, they have hipster coffee shops in Inglewood. Like a lot of people don't know that if they're not from LA. And and they be black owned too. Like Mm -hmm. we went to, we're in our own backyards, in our own communities. And a lot of them were black owned, woman owned, Mm -hmm. um, minority owned. And so having just those type of things on display is really what I feel like separates our show from a lot of other shows. Really, It really does. It really, and then that's for me where I was even, and I'm like from California, grew up in LA and like, I was still taking notes. I'm like, I have to check out this restaurant. I have to check out this coffee shop because even as someone who's like a native, I'm still like, more to explore, you know? And I think that yeah. the show did a really lunch. good job. Amir, we have to get lunch. Honey, we're already friends. So you better make time for me in your busy schedule. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then also just like ways where I felt like, like I'm friends with Evelyn Lozado from Basketball Wives and I love those shows. I love Love and Hip Hop. Like I don't have a problem with those shows, but mm-hmm. they also, I, some again, I'm not part of the black community, obviously I'm Persian, but I feel like sometimes shows like that will take us one step forward, a bunch of steps backwards. I I don't think your show did that. Like, I, aside from the fight at Taylin, like in Mexico, even that didn't get so aggressive. I thought like it could have been more dramatic, you know. Like, so I felt like, how did you guys? Was there like a meeting of the minds where you were like, even if we have an, a disagreement, let's not like go all the way left? Or did you guys just kind of? That's just how you are. You're a bit more even keeled. Yeah. So honestly, like similar to how we were talking about the men expressing their emotions and not being Mm -hmm. surrounded around trauma, I think the show does a really good job of having the ladies not be, you know, throwing drinks or Mm -hmm. fighting because that's typically, you know, kind of what you see on um, women reality shows. For us, it was never presented in a way where that was the expectation, right? It was never presented as like a shady, you know, salacious kind of thing. We really were presented with like this idea of black excellence, you know, black luxury, um, profiling South LA. Like those were the, the themes that were that were like presented to us and so i don't think any of our cast members really went into it ever thinking like you know we need to give them something or like we need to you know spice it up a bit because that's just not Mm -hmm. how it was presented to us and honestly i felt comfortable in that it was a a hooray and Issa ray production and that those are not really things that she aligns herself with either you know so i felt comfortable being myself and not taking it there 
because I don't, you know, that's probably not something that she wants from us. And like, you know, our, our, that our audience wanted to see. So it wasn't necessarily, it was kind of like an unspoken thing, right? It was just like, we're not going to do that. Like, we're not going to take it there, which I think you see that on display. I think you see that on display in Cabo where Thailand is like, you know, I really don't want to talk about this here mm-hmm, right now, mm-hmm. you know? So we see that kind of on display. I like that. I like that she was like, we're not doing this on camera. And I, I think sometimes reality TV stars like, well, and I've, I'm friends with a lot of like Bravo people. And they're always like, I don't know if I can say something. I'm like, this is this show is about you. So if you want to stop the cameras, you do have some power. So I think that like, you guys never really lost your power, which I and, and really correcting that narrative. And even when Jordan, like, for example, talked to his mom and was like, you know what? It, and she was like, you're wrong. Like, you know, that I thought that, like, that's kind of cool where you're not like the mom's not trying to be cool on camera and be like, oh, I'm going to agree with my son. She was like, you're wrong. <laughs> like, you know, and, so and I, I thought that was to explain, you know, both sides, which I think, mm-hmm. again, just the parents, they were so pivotal for, for us on the show, I think. They really were. Um, speaking of pivotal parents, I want to talk about your parents and obviously going to a home that you own. And like, what did that feel like? Because I mean... I can only imagine that just feels like so just fucking amazing. (laughs) It honestly, it was like a little surreal just because Mm -hmm. I see myself as like still, you know, 18, 19, (laughs) (laughs) like a young person who like, I mean, how old are you girl? You're like 25. I'm I'm sure. Right. But I just don't feel to me when I was younger, 25 years old felt like extreme adulting. Like, Oh girl, wait till you get to 35, 30 to 35 box, honey. It's a different world. (laughs) Now that I'm here, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Now that I'm here, I'm like, I can't believe I thought that these people were adults because Mm -hmm. I am still a child. (laughs) I know they throw a lot at us. Like you literally can't go to like, you can't drink, but you're supposed to have a credit card and a bank account. It's kind of crazy. Right. Exactly. So being there with my parents felt really Mm -hmm. surreal because we, I couldn't believe that it was mine. Like the things looking at all the four walls, it was like, these all belong to me. Like they're not my parents. It's not really like a shared situation going on here. Like this is all me. So that was really surreal for me. And it was just really great that I, I wanted to make sure that my parents were present for the housewarming, right? Like, of course, my friends and things were there, but they really are the reason that I was able to accomplish something as big as home buying, just with the inspiration, the motivation, like the extension of like resources, introducing me to their friends, lenders, et cetera. So I wouldn't have it any other way than to have them be there, regardless if my friends were there or not, you know? Exactly. And I, I love that scene. It was like, I felt like it was like my mom when your mom was like, okay, we're going to decorate like this. We're going to do, and you were like, this is my home. Like, this is my, I'm doing it my way. Oh, my mom <laughs> is like the home goods queen. Like, she <laughs> thinks that she's like a brand ambassador or something, which she honestly should be. Love um, her for that. <laughs> so she just like stays in home goods and interior design. So when I bought the house, she's just like over the moon about that. <laughs> part. Like, I can't wait to get in here. I love that. Yeah, she's ecstatic. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I hate to do this because it is like, obviously I do my research. So I, I saw some of the Twitter comments that are a little bit on the shady side. And, you know, there's those naysayers and people that are like, oh, you know, I just want to give you the chance to clear this up. Like Issa Rae is paying for the house or Issa Rae is like, you know, buying the, the home that they're staying at in Mexico. Can I you clear that up? 
I wish she paid mm-hmm. for my house, girl. <laughs> I would have so many more. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. I'm like, that girl is, listen, Issa Rae has stack on stacks, but she's not going to like fake, make a fake show. I mean, I just want you to clear it up because that did come up a couple of times. And I, I just want to give you the chance to clear it up because some of these shows, like let's be honest, it's like not pretend there's not an elephant in the room. But if it, if you guys were a white cast with anyone question where the money's coming from, right, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah, important to mention. Well, I just, yeah, I can just say like the house is fully executed, mm-hmm. purchased, signed by me and me. Yes, only. honey. Yes. I moved but... from Oakland um, back home to move in with my parents to save. So like I sacrificed mm-hmm. a lot to be right. able to do that. Um, Smart girl. I know that, you know, home buying and home ownership at age 25 is not really something that you see. So, you know, people mm-hmm. will come up with. A, a thousand different ways that they made it happen, but it was really just the sweat off my back, <laughs> the sweat off my it. back, honestly. And as far as like the events and things, like all of us, everything that you see on screen are things that we were doing prior to ever mm-hmm. knowing about the show, to ever being approached about the show. Mm-hmm. These are all things that we were doing. Thailand really does have 23 best friends. We really <laughs> go on international vacations every year for her birthday. Love that. You know, like, Jordan really does have a multi-million dollar clothing line that he's been grinding out since high school. I remember having Hypeland sweatshirts and hoodies in high school, literally. Oh my God. Um, amazing. I, I Googled that. I looked it up and I saw, I saw a store next to Supreme. I mean, people yeah. that are naysaying can go and do the research. I mean, listen, people say this stuff to me. You bought followers. You're fake. Uh, no, no, like, uh-uh. no, Not honey, you're oh fake. Gosh. I hope nobody ever says that about me and the followers because Amir, before the show, my account was on private okay like it was okay, honey you better be private that's true fame when you go from private to public because you're on a freaking show honey that's ultimate fame like, i those are was private af like yes honey you, you didn't know me you really did know me <laughs> i love that i love that for you i love that for you i and i love that your energy too like you have this like beautiful way of operating in the show where all, all eyes are on you. Like I didn't take my eyes off of you, but you didn't suck the air out of the room, which is a really hard thing to do is to be attractive, but then not like be like annoyingly center of attention. Like you did, you did that beautifully. I got to give you your flowers. for that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I tried not to, I tried not to just like over insert myself into Mm -hmm. everything for like the sake of camera time. Right. Like I was just like, Wherever they ask me and wherever I'm, I can add value, I'll be there. But I try not to just like, like with the podcast situation, I try not to just like insert my own like opinions and thoughts or whatever. I was there absolutely to tell people, you know, when they were right or wrong or to hold themselves accountable. But I did try just not to like be that girl, you know? Because it's so easy because they give you, they give you camera time. They're like, do whatever you want, you know, like this is your time. And it's easy to kind of, um, lose that like groundedness. So I tried to just stay focused on like what I had going on in my, my personal story. Absolutely. Which, I mean, I thought you did that beautifully. And like, even with your, you know, your boyfriend and him being a teacher and stuff. And like, even the way you handled him not coming to Mexico, I felt like you could have dramatized some of that stuff, like to get more like camera time. You think I should have? No, I don't think you should. I think you were being very authentic. And I liked it because I felt like, a grown person like me being grown myself. Like if Mm -hmm. my boyfriend had to work and I was on a trip with my friends, I would be bummed to the level that you were, but I wouldn't elevate it for camera time. You could have really done like a whole crying on the beach thing. You could have gotten really (laughs) upset. You didn't do any of that. 
Yeah. I mean, I, this is the thing, like we are, I would have a thousand percent wanted him there. If I could go back and change it, that's what I would change. But like, I wasn't going to ruin this beautiful Cabo vacation by being Mm -hmm. in my feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. like we had definitely had our FaceTime dates. I was like, call him every morning to show him the beach and things. But like, I couldn't, you know, I didn't, it was, and it also was not my birthday. It'd be different if it was my birthday, you know? Um, But I think we we did a good job. He was like very present. You know, we had the scene about renting versus, I mean, paying all the rent versus splitting the bills. Yes. So he's still yes. very much so present. And I know he felt good that all the guys like kind of jumped in on the conversation and we kind of all shared that moment together. So I thought that was really special. I thought that was really, really cool too. And I I wanted to ask you about that too with the guys, um, with that whole podcast thing. Were there parts that we didn't see? Because I thought they were all opening up. It was vulnerability. And I got up to get a coffee. And when I came back, it was like all hell had broken loose. So what <laughs> happened between the crying and the emotions and like this black healing? And then all of a sudden it was like, everyone turned on each other. Was, was there parts that we didn't see? Like, was it edited that way? I just... I kind of got lost for me. Yeah, I think so. I wasn't there either, right? But I did yeah. get the story a thousand times from pretty mm-hmm. much everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot. The pro- the podcast, all these scenes are like hours and hours and hours long. Right. So there's people right. online like <laughs> interpreting, you know, five minutes of like a hundred and twenty minute conversation. Um, but yeah, there was a ton more just to discuss. I think the show did a good job of like highlighting everyone's saying what their anxieties were. I loved PJ and just being authentic and saying like, I don't even know how to have this conversation with you guys because I don't know how to process my emotions. That was powerful. That was the, that realest, was crazy. the realest kind of moment because you could mm-hmm. tell he really meant that. Absolutely. Um, Especially coming from him, that really shocked me because let's be honest, I'm not trying to be mean, but he's the face of fuck boyery. Like, I mean, his behavior is like not the best. (laughs) Like he he brought that Miami girl, which we are going to get to. But I, you know, with PJ, like I thought that was really cool that he was because sometimes not saying anything is more powerful than saying a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was really cool. But go ahead. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. But No, no worries. No worries. Yeah, so I think everyone was going around kind of saying, you know, what brings them anxiety. And Jalen brought up the topic of finances. And mm-hmm. I think it would have been awesome for everyone to speak on, you know, how finances play a role in their current situation or in their anxieties, right? Like, Jordan is pretty well off. Like, do you, you know, for me, I'm like... So like, do you think, do you sometimes feel like people are using you for money or do you feel like women want you because of money? Um, PJ, like you're on the grind, right? We've seen him in like his car, which I have a Toyota, like it's no, no shade at all, but we see him at a different level. Like, do you feel anxieties about that? But I think that it just got really heated when Jordan started to take things a little bit personally and feel like personally attacked. Um, I think he was just triggered. And so there was a lot more like discussed, but I, the editors just kind of chopped it up into like, this is basically what happened. They like gave the right. super cliff notes version. Cause it did. I was watching. I'm like, damn, this escalated super fast. It but did. when you ask Rob and Jalen, it really did escalate fast. Just like mm, that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know that. I'm happy we cleared because I got that question a lot. Um, people DM me asking about like, you know, the editing of that. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay. So I also, I was kind of shocked at how dramatic and pretty shady the men were. Like, I thought that you guys were going to be the ones, but they were the ones that were at the center of a lot of the gossiping and a lot of the drama. Was that surprising to your friend group that the boys were kind of the dramatic ones? 
Honestly, not really. And okay. that's only because, and that, that's only because they have a lot of just like growing and like mm-hmm. learning to do in there, like as a guys. And so we, I feel like we kind of saw that play out with just like PJ and Jordan and the and the women, and then like Gerald's kind of like feeling like he never wants to be in it. So they have a they had a lot of like figuring out to do as the men. I feel like on the women's side, we were all pretty solid, right? Like me and Tylena's like one of my best friends. Right. Brianna, Becky, like we're all really good friends. And so we were really sure and like grounded in who we were. So like a lot of the things, it was just like, I'm not going for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas like on the guy side, it was kind of like, uh, it, it needed to be like a dialogue or an engagement. Like, okay, so did you deal with both of these girls? Is it okay if I dealt with both of these girls? You know, whereas like on the girl side, we kind of, we're so past that in like our friendship. It's like <laughs> not even like on the table. I got you. I, it seems like you guys are like family. Yeah, exactly. it's like it's yeah. It seems like the girl. And then speaking of family, like listen, I'm not judging because I'm a Gemini and I get very possessive. But there, correct me if I'm wrong. In Mexico, with all the best friends and stuff, did you start to get a little like not? I don't think the word possessive is right, but a little like wait, she has too many friends. Like I, I would get like that. Did Did you feel that at any point? Yeah, I think I okay. I was truthful to Thailand and I, I think I said in one scene like I've been preparing like mentally preparing for this mm-hmm. trip for like a week now mm-hmm. and that's not because of like her or her friends directly that's just being I'm an Aquarius you know like that's being around 30 people at one point in general don't know regardless of who it is um I know my ex was Aquarius like a brunch of the brunch hit six people he's like this is too many people yeah it's just like and it's just like who are these people you know like I want to make sure like I want to feel comfortable and then I didn't have my boo there for my like safe space so yeah I think I did get a little bit just like um possessive like you know Thailand is my friend like I want to be with her but some of it, and I'll say, like, the whole head best friend thing, like, a lot of, some of that was just, like, dramatization. I right. can be honest in that. Like, I didn't really care. Ash, I love Thailand's friends. Ashley, A- Ashley and Thailand are really great friends. They're, like, they work together in business. Like, I would never try to, like, upstage or, like, you know, be weird. So that part was definitely dramatization. However, who I am as a person, like my character, I go hard for my friends. Like I ride for my friends and I'm very territorial about them. So that's the way that the show kind of like pushed that characteristic to the TV screen, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Interesting. It does. It does. It absolutely does. I I felt like that part was probably the only part in the whole season where I felt like this is being because they kept mentioning head best friend and the best yeah. friends. And you know, I, like I felt like it was a little bit too, you know? Yeah, and it, you got it. You got to dramatize a little bit. Like, I mean, I know I, Housewives of New York. You know, Ramona had like sixty best friends. I mean, are all of those people her best friends? I don't know, but like, there's a little bit of dramatization. These are my head best friends. I mean, they do that because it's kind of salacious, especially to someone watching. And even if Thailand does have twenty three best friends, most people have like two or three, right? So right. it it's dramatic in it, in of itself. So like, I totally get that. Um, just to be clear, ahead, Thailand really does have 23 best friends. Like all those folks there were really her like best. No, friends. I believe it. She's and like one of those sweet souls. And significant others. 
Wow. No, I believe that because her energy is like so yes. sweet and she doesn't want a, her friends. I can tell she's not a high maintenance friend. And I think that's why everyone showed up. I mean, for everyone to show up during a pandemic in Mexico, like not that like you wouldn't, it's a beautiful house, but for everyone to show up with their significant others, like mm-hmm. with work and pandemic times, like I thought that says a lot about who she is. That's exactly. Um, she has absolutely. a really, really infectious spirit and she's like mm-hmm. open and welcoming to all. So people always just feel like, yeah, you know, I'm doing whatever Thailand is doing. Like, she really does have like really great friends because she's a great friend to others. I could see that. I could. I could really, really see that. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question, then we'll play a fun game uh, before okay. I let you go. Um, so I want to ask you about. So on Twitter, there was a lot of questions around obviously gentrification in Inglewood. I, I, I was a real estate agent for years. A lot of people call it Lemaire Park or Iwood and they try to like distance themselves from Inglewood. And what I love about Issa Rae, even with Insecure and now with The Sweet Life, she always like goes headfirst into the community and isn't like shying away from what it is. So I love that you guys stayed in your neighborhood. I We didn't really see you like in Beverly Hills or like, you know, you guys kind of stayed in your neighborhood, which I really... It, it was it was that intentional and how do you feel about this whole gentrification you know with amazon coming there and the stadium and the like there's homes now for millions of dollars in um lamar park like what are your feelings about that do you think gentrification can be good for a community or is it always bad i'm just curious what you think um so that's a loaded question <laughs> yes it is i know i, I know <laughs> Our it was definitely intentional to stay okay. in South LA to film okay. in South LA, Inglewood, okay. Lamert Park, the Crenshaw District. Definitely intentional, and that's all kudos and shouts to our executive producer Issa Ray. She loves her community. Um, as far as gentrification goes, it's really a catch twenty two. Like it's never it's never good to have the resources, be it land, biz, small businesses you know, et cetera, taken and drained by a rich white man, <laughs> you know, or a rich corporation. Mm, like yep. that's never, that's never optimal for no. minority communities. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. As far as like home prices and property value and land, the the positive side of that is like, we do have a, a new stadium. We are, we're getting another one for the Clippers. Like we'll probably have better school districts as a result of it. And our, our, if you do already own in these, in these areas, your property value is up a ton, but the problem arises when the culture leaves with the people. So people are selling because, you know, people are giving them offers. You can't, you, you, it's hard to refuse. So people are selling, we're losing the culture of it. And so Mm. I think that's really the worst parts of gentrification. Um, Again, I'm not an urban planner or like, you know, an economist, but to me personally, those are the worst parts of gentrification is that you lose the culture that once existed in these historically black or historically Latino minority neighborhoods. That's the worst part to me, but that's why I think it's so important that we have this show and shows like this, like Insecure, that can capture it right now. Right. Because mm. in 10 years, it may or may not look like that. So at least we have this. Somebody has to tell the story. Right. So we have this to look to like this is what your community once was. And this is and we know that we can always get back there, regardless of what is happening right now. We can always center ourselves in that we had this at one point. 
Got it. Well, I mean, that, it's a catch that makes a sense. It, that, you answered it beautifully. Like it, it's it's a very loaded question and it's a hard thing to answer. But I do like very much resonate with what you said. So that was really well. Said. Yeah. What area did you grow up in, Amir? I grew up in Orange County, so Laguna Beach, and then mm-hmm. I went to UIC for undergrad, and then I've been in LA on and off since then. So since nice. two thousand and. I'm not saying the name number. <laughs> um, nobody needs to know my age, honey. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's like I've been around and I've seen LA change. I mean, I've seen downtown LA change. I've seen, you know, properties that were like 500,000 are now 7 million. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Especially so, down by USC, like USC oh, even yeah. looks like a, oh, yeah. a different place. It's it's kind of crazy. The neighboring, the neighborhood over there, like it, it's a lot of gentrification happening there too, which for the college students, I'm sure they're loving it, right? But for the residents, maybe not so much with the Metro and like the, the stadiums and concerts downtown. So it just, I don't know. It's a hard pill to swallow. So I wanted to ask you, okay, we have to go quickly back because I didn't ask you earlier. Um, so the whole stunt with Miami and the, the McLaren and all of that, is that really just PJ's personality or was that kind of a little manipulated? That drama felt like kind of unnecessary Um, and was it as bad as we thought, like when you were experiencing it or was it like kind of dramatized a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so, so hard to answer. I'm just like, regardless of if that's like PJ's real personality or like Mm -hmm. personality, Mm -hmm. I was just not a fan of you know, bringing a random, not a random, I don't even want to say that, but bringing an, an, an extra guest to a birthday trip, right? And like a lot of the flack was on Twitter is like, you've been a plus one before, like plus ones are regulars. But yeah, if I was having a party or a happy hour, you know, like it's a vacation. And then also we're in a pandemic. So I was just thrown off and kind of taken aback by that part of it. The McLaren, it wasn't, if you notice, like in the show, I didn't really speak to the McLaren that much. Like, yes, I do feel like he was trying to flex who would be on, I don't know whether it was on Jordan or Rebecca, Mm -hmm. Um, but I I wasn't too pressed about the McLaren. For me, it was really just, you know, you brought an uninvited guest to my party without ever like clearing it or running it by me. You just kind of pulled up and (laughs) knocked out. It's a little rude, aside from anything else. It's it's like it's common decency to let the guests know, the guest of honor, that you're going to their birthday. Yeah. 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 So that that was really my take on it. And I'll say, like, I know that and I've said, I think I said this on the reunion, like my attitude and like my tone and the, the way that I kind of like approached Miami was wrong. And I did apologize to her at the reunion for mm-hmm. some strange reason they did not air that. Um, but that was wrong, but my sentiments and like my reasoning behind it still remains. Like, I think that she could have done a better job of like, you know, being affable and, you know, wishing me a happy birthday and like just getting to know me more before she came. And then she kind of got into it with Rebecca. Rebecca's my friend. So I'm not, I'm not going to take sides with a girl that I don't know all the way, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that she, um, PJ definitely is the person to blame, was the person to blame in all of it. Yes. Um, but I think she, she received some flack that she felt like she shouldn't have received. And so I did apologize for those things. Um, but it didn't air it. So I don't know. 
Well, I mean, listen, you can apologize. And if they choose not to air it, that's, you know, that's the narrative that they're trying to create as well. And also for her, like, I felt like I was on her side and then she kind of acted like a villain at the end. And I was like, wait a second. I was like kind of on your side. And then it's like, you flip the switch. So I don't know. It's, it's, it, I listen, I'm always going to side with you because <laughs> I don't really know her, you know? So, um, but yeah, let's, let's play a quick game before um, I let you go. Um, so I think what, I wanted to ask you, they're just like, I'll ask you two people from the show and, and what would you rather? So who would you rather dress you, um, PJ or Jordan? Jordan. Okay, Jordan. Um, and then who would you go on a deserted island? Brianna or, um, let me ask you something, or Rebecca? Ooh. I, I want to ask you a harder one. Probably Rebecca. She would keep me so calm. And that's another thing too, like Rebecca's characterization on this show is like the complete opposite of who she is as a person, honestly. Um, but she would keep, she's such a sweet soul and spirit. She would keep me so calm. Cause I would be freaking out. Like we have to get off this island. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I've never, I asked this question a lot and I never thought about the fact that you have to get off the Island. Um, yeah. that's funny. Um, you're, you're good. You're very smart. Um, who, okay. So if you had a baby one day, who would you boy or girl, you can pick whoever, um, which name from the cast would you like rename your, like, you know, name your baby? Name my baby. I want mm-hmm. to have uh, unisex names for all of my oh. kids. So okay, I love that. Jalen. I love that. Okay, that's cute. I yeah, I mean, that. I want to have like, first of all, I want to have hella kids, but I want them all to have like unisex names. So I love that. Oh my God, I love unisex names. It's, it's so cute. I had a friend named Ashley and I thought it was so cute that he was named Ashley. I think that's adorable. Um, Okay, so I guess that's not really unisex, but anyway, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Um, but okay, so I wanted to ask you, so from the guys from the cast, who do you, like, obviously, aside from your own boyfriend, but who do you trust the most, like, to talk to or get advice from? Um, Probably Jalen. Again, like, okay. <laughs> me and Tylen are, like, really great friends, and Jalen yeah. and Rob have a really great relationship, too, so I love we that. developed a relationship outside of the show. Like, we really do hang out, like, in real life, you know, double dates, movies, dinners, and Jalen is, like, a pretty, um, pretty intelligent person, and he should can he has a great way of showing you a different perspective of things similar to the podcast and so i probably would go to him second would be gerald just because he's like a very level-headed individual and i know that he'll give it to me straight like his honest opinion i love that i love and i I mean i I think it's so great that you have people that you can lean on and they're not just your girlfriends. I think it's nice to get like a guy's perspective sometimes. Totally. And um, I think Jalen knows that he can come to me too, like <laughs> with whatever might be happening. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I was, I was DMing with him. He's very nice. He's a very nice guy. Um, yeah. Let me, okay. So last question, uh, any updates from Thailand about where you guys are going next? Can you tell us? Can you, um, you just mean for her next birthday? Uh huh. It's giving Italy next year. Okay. Okay. On the coast. Oh my, okay. And wait, is is there a second season? Was that confirmed? Uh, Child, you tell me. Okay. Well, Lisa, I'm a DM her. I'm a DM her manager and be like, give me the deets. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. We'll see. I I don't know why I'm just like so confident. (laughs) As you should be, as you should be. Listen, I think that seeing y'all in the Amalfi Coast, living your best lives, um, I think, and maybe I'll come too. (laughs) I can carry your bags, y'all. I can carry your bags. Um, come with us come with us we need to do a live like podcast yes honey oh yes honey yes Mm -hmm. 
listen, Persians do well on the Amalfi Coast as well. We, we can, we can, we can do it. Um, I love it. I'm here's to manifesting a second season, right? Yes. Here's <laughs> season two. I am raising my glass. Yes, me too. I'm raising my Starbucks. Um, <laughs> y'all are are gonna kill it. I mean, they would be honestly stupid to not give you a second season. So, oh, um, thank you so much. Thank of course, you. I, I loved having you. I think you're wonderful. I think that the fact that y'all are 20. I mean, when I was 25, I was like running the door to club, acting a fool. So the fact that y'all have your shit together is is impressive. So. We still be in the club though, Amir. Like <laughs> that's something that I think is a little misconception too. Like, yes, we have it together, but. We be a shit show sometimes as well. So I love that. I love well, it's also it was like pandemic time, so I don't think the clubs were even open. Right, so. exactly. So we didn't really we definitely filmed, you know, earlier this year. So we didn't even really get to go out and like showcase the that side of us. So hopefully right. when we get season two, a lot of the restrictions will be relaxed and we can really be like outside, outside. Totally, which I love. Oh, one last thing. Have you been recognized yet? I have. I was at. Oh, what was that like? <laughs> I was at brunch. So after the show, I went on this like three city celebration tour. <laughs> Cute. Love <laughs> that for you. Miami, New York, and Chicago. Nice. And people in New York and Chicago definitely recognized us. Like we would walk into places and they're like, "I was just watching you on TV. Like I can't believe y'all are here." People are tweeting like, "Just saw the whole sweet life on Max Girl Gang. Like can't believe it." Um, so that was really cool. And then we were in Chicago in my boyfriend's hometown and people that he know are like coming up to him, dapping him up. Like, why you didn't tell me we were back in town, bro? Like been watching the show. So that's been really cool. Um, in LA, you know, LA people are a little bougie. They Mm -hmm. like are like, yeah, I see her. But I don't see her. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I know how they are. I'm like, yeah. I know you know who I am. Yeah, like, exactly. So, but I was, I was leaving brunch in uh, K-Town on Sunday and I was mm-hmm. just walking across the street and this guy's like, Amanda, Amanda. I'm like, I'm thinking it's one of my friends, like drunk. I turn around. He's like, I watch you on Sweet Life. I love it. I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, like in the middle of the street, like, yeah. <laughs> amazing. I oh, love that. That was really cool. That was cool. I love that. That's amazing. I, I'm, I'm happy people are, you know, recognizing the amazingness of this show. So everyone go watch Sweet Life. The, the reunions drop too. And it's Issa Rae produced. It's amazing. Go see Amanda. Amanda, where can people follow you? Yes, on Instagram? you guys can follow me. I'm at Amanda said so underscore on Instagram and at Amanda Lauren, two A's, two N's on Twitter. Um, I also have a lash line at the collection. Um, you can follow, you can catch up with me there. And I have some new things in the works and on the way. So stay tuned. Thank you so much, Amir. Of course. And we'll drop all these links and your business as well. And, you know, I've loved having everyone here. And of course, go follow me at Amir Yoss Official on Instagram and TikTok. I'm going to be on Dr. Phil next month with Buffy Purcell from Married to Medicine and also Monique Samuels from Real Housewives of Potomac. We're talking about cancel culture. So keep in touch with that. And um, we're going to continue to bring you some amazing guests. Uh, Ebony K. Williams is coming up from Real Housewives of New York tomorrow. So things are going to get exciting for the take on. Keep on following us. And of course, go follow Amanda and watch the suite life. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Take On. The Take On is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. 
You can find out more about me and The Take On at bpn.fm backslash The Take On. And of course, on my Instagram at Amir Yas official. Yes, honey, we're official. Make sure to subscribe and rate The Take On wherever you stream your podcast and keep tuning in for more amazing guests. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.